Good morning. My name is Imani. It is Sunday, January the 8th, 2023. I'm here at the Father's Church um, leading Wisdom Seekers class today. It's nice to see everyone here. <laughs> so um, today I'm going to talk to you about perfect peace. And we're going to hop right into the scripture that comes to mind when you hear the phrase perfect peace. Um, we'll learn the meanings of some of those key words in that verse. And then we'll identify some present dealings um, in our own culture and see what the Bible says about it. Uh, much of what I will bring to you today is an account of the current culture, things that I've noticed as a young adult with things just shifting they're not like they used to be and um, I'll be highlighting the influences of the enemy through observation and supporting it with scripture so we fully recognize God's redemptive measure and ability to restore but we also know that as gross darkness covers the people that he will shine brighter in and upon us that we would be called the light of the world. So the first scripture that we're going to look at today is um, Isaiah 26, 3. I will read it to you. <laughs> it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So um, there are like four different words that are kind of bolded in this this passage here so the first one is perfect peace and perfect peace is the Hebrew word um, shalom you know that word the root word for shalom is salam which means to be completed reciprocated to give again to repay it means um, someone is being made full restored rewarded it also means to be at peace to live in peace to be sound, uninjured, safe, whole, and restored. So those are all the things that we get for leaning on the Lord. He adds all of those things to us, and those are the things that encompass perfect peace. Also, um, you know, shalom is just one word instead of two, like we have in English. So he will keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on him. So the word for mind is yeser. Which means imagination or purpose, framework or shape. It's also defined as both human and divine activity. That's our mind. Another definition for mind that was pretty cool was um, it, it gives you the image of a potter that shapes clay. And that's what the field of our mind is likened to. It's a place that is a framework to lay all else upon. So plans for good, plans for evil, you know, it all happens in the battleground of the mind. Okay, and so the last word, um, or second to last word is stayed. So the word for stayed is samak. It means to lean upon or to take hold of. It also means to lie hard, to rest yourself, to set yourself to stand firm and to be established. So our mind is supposed to be stayed upon the Lord. This is what happens when your mind is fixed on him. You're, you get the image of like leaning with all of your weight hard on him, trusting him. And um, the last word in that passage is the word trusteth, which is King, King James. So it's with the E-T-H at the end. But it means to have confidence, to have hope in something, to be bold, to have security. And one of my favorite definitions um, in the Strong's for the word trusted was to feel so safe that you don't even have like a care in the world, almost like, like a child. And so if you put, it's almost like when you read the Amplified Bible, it'll have the regular passage and then there will be emphasis on the words we're gonna put all those words together because that's kind of our crux for, for everything that we're gonna learn about today. So it says, basically paraphrased, he will keep us completed, full, restored, at peace, whole, and reward.
rewarded because we will keep our minds fixed on Him. We will expend our spiritual and natural efforts through molding our minds with His framework and His ways within and without. We will lean hard on Him with all of our weight and stay established in His plan. And because we trust Him, we have confidence in Him and we have security in Him. And we trust Him so much that we do not have a care in the world because we are confident in the security that He provides. And so that's just um, the first scripture that talks about perfect peace. Before we continue, does anybody have any like comments or remarks? <coughs> okay. So we are going to reread verse 3 and then go through verse 10 into the rest of the passage. So it's Isaiah 26. We're going to reread verse 3 and then we're going to go through 10. So verse 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So we know what all that means. We're going to go to verse 4. It says, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. For he brings down them that dwell on high, the lofty city he lays it low. He lays it low even to the ground, he brings it even to the dust, and the foot shall tread it down, even the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy, the way of the just is uprightness. Thou, most upright, dost weigh the path of the just. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. Verse 9 says, With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me I will seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And then the last verse says, Let favor be showed to the wicked, yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness will he still deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. So that was a long passage, but a lot of um, really insightful things are happening there. And I think a lot of it can be drawn with parallels with how we see our world today. So first, Isaiah talks about the reward of the righteous as they remain steadfast in the Lord. Like you guys know that message. That is the message of the saints. And then he praises God for his everlasting strength. He talks about how God brings them who dwell on high lower. Basically people that are trying to exalt themselves or their purposes above God. That God is so high that he will bring them low. He talks about how the way of the just is uprightness and how he desires the Lord. And, yeah, that sounds a lot like today. Okay, so the second passage that we're going to read is 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8. So it says in verse 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, fierce, despisers of those that are good. And the word for good right there, like uh, people that despise those who are good it's like the definition means a person that is hostile to virtue like a person that is a despiser of those that are good and it's talking about in the last days um, that there will be traitors those that are high-minded lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away for this for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And it talks about um, that the Lord will resist these kinds of people that have corrupt minds um, and that their minds would be reprobate concerning the faith because of how they've chosen to live. So I think this sounds a lot like today. Um, I have been incredibly humbled as the Lord has began to draw very clear and deep parallels with the things that the Bible is talking about is, is coming and is happening now. 
and um, like just to be able to kind of look in our culture and see it unfolding before our eyes it's just like in a very short amount of time things are very different than they used to be um, something that kind of stuck out to me there's like this thing called the self-love movement and so a lot of people are like body positivity people that are influencers on Instagram on TikTok, on Facebook it's just basically about like doing whatever you want whenever you want however you want like honoring yourself like loving yourself treating yourself and that's like um that's common in our culture now and that's something that the bible specifically tells us like we are not to be lovers of ourselves and so um a lot of vlogging on social media i think falls within many of these categories um, some of the things that it talks about in Timothy is arrogance, boasting, unholiness, lovers of pleasure more than loving God. And so um, I thought it was really interesting that it talked about that there are people that come into homes and, and lead women away with sin. And I think it's funny because you don't even have to like really go into the home anymore. We have apps, you know, that people can access and you can just get into all sorts of like wickedness from your own home. You don't even have to go out anymore. Okay. Me neither. I never noticed that. <coughs> so 2 Timothy 3, verses 9 through 12 says, But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. And this is Paul writing to Timothy. Verse 11 picks up with saying, persecutions, afflictions, the, the things that happened to me at Antioch and Lystra, and what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. So he's been through so much that he's recounting it, and he's talking about how the Lord delivered and rescued him again and again. And so verse 12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So this passage tells us that if a person lives by folly, it will be made public. And if you are a godly person, you will experience persecution. It's almost like that, um, that quote that says, like, this is hard, that is hard. Both things are hard. Pick your hard, you know. And I would much rather um, be a saint, be in the boat of the saints and, and, and doing what is um, accounted by righteousness than anything else. Okay, let's see. I think this is the right one. Okay. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Verse 13 says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All <laughs> scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This reminds me of um, when I met the Lord, I think I got like several simultaneous revelations all at the same time. And I didn't know like of their significance at the time. It's only now that I'm 10 years old in the faith <laughs> that I, I can see how important it is. But one of the revelations that God gave me when I became a new Christian is that the Bible's real. And I know that that sounds like simple, super simple, super elementary. It's, it's, it's way above the world. Yes. I mean, that knowledge changes everything. It does. And there's a lot of people that don't <clears throat> believe in the Bible, don't believe its authenticity. Um, there are some people that only believe in it for some of its historical value, but don't believe that things in the Bible literally happened. And so um, I'm thankful for that revelation, and I'm thankful that we're a people, we are a body that, that is always grounded in the word. Um, this verse says that knowing the scriptures of the Holy Bible is what makes us wise. It tells us that scripture is given by God, 
and you can use it to correct a person, to align a situation, to be instructed in righteousness. And the beginning of this verse is also talking about um, the culture. I think, again, it, it can be translated to even the culture that we oh, live in. <laughs> wow. So now I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about our culture. I think culture is like quite a fascinating thing. You can tell what influences are coming into, into a culture by watching the art that's being created there and by seeing the individu individuals championed among certain people groups. Um, the mu musicians, the actors, the instrumentalists, the artists, also the politicians who hold office and those who may not be in politics, but they hold sway in the public eye. By listening to a culture's popular offerings of music or even by watching their movies, you can get a feel for what the underlying spiritual motivators may be. Also, as a saint, we can additionally follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and operate in pure discernment while surveying the spiritual landscape. Obviously, if you're on assignment, we're not just gonna be going around, just looking, looking for things. So I think also because now we're in 2023, we can add media and psychology happenings to this list. Um, if you have an industrialized nation, like what, what breakthroughs in psychology that they're finding and what is coming out in their media can also tell you like whose hand they're being subbed by, can tell you who's leading them. So um, in the days of old, I think the philosophy of a region is, is how people knew like what influences were there. You think about the mindsets that Paul encountered when he was in Athens preaching to the Gentiles. You know, they had a, a shrine to the unknown God. And when he came through the region, he was like, hey, I know that God. And he preached to them on the basis of what they didn't know. But their, their psychology allowed them to receive that. So following these cultural indications at the leading and discretion of the Lord will detail what the prevailing schools of thought of a people are, and we will know how best to partner with the Lord in a region. Just like with Israel, God's goal is always to turn the hearts and the minds of the people back towards him. Okay, so Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So um, I just noticed like a lot of changes in our um, society and the thread of our culture happened after the pandemic. So many things happened that were different. There was a group collective shift in American consciousness. I could see it. Much of our culture was already experiencing, I think, what would be described as like a decline in morality, a decline in Christian values, um, and a lack of spiritual practices in general. Statistically, the number of people that identify as Christian has been shrinking for decades in the United States. And there was a study um, done by Lifeway in 2022, and they found that 30% 34% of Christians said that they went to church at least four times a month before the pandemic and that that number has dropped to 26% post-pandemic. And while over 60% of Americans still will identify on paper as Christians, just 50 years ago, that number was 90%. So we definitely see um, a change happening in the culture. So um, now we'll just read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 39. national TV, on national TV. Wow. and um, so you know people I think the percentage may be higher um, than we see on TV what television tells us because so many have been praying for this man mm -hmm. and and like Stacy said even on national television you know 
everything just went out the window and they it's like we don't care we're praying for this guy that's beautiful i didn't even know about that well what was funny is that someone did a meme on facebook with forrest gump that said just like that it's okay to pray on the football field again <laughs> <laughs> because everyone stopped they stopped the game they prayed and they didn't even keep playing the game they they stopped the game completely <coughs> wow. the guy had a heart attack this little 20 year old had a freaking massive heart attack wow yeah so it it, it is crazy and plus afterwards they were on the news channels and they were praying on national tv these sportscasters wow <laughs> it was so anyway, yeah, it, I don't good. know if that means there's more Christians. I just, well, I think just think that we don't have, we're not exhibiting the boldness because of the woke that. culture is, they're shaming anything that we do. But all of a sudden, because of that situation, you know, it was okay to do that. Or like you say, when people get in trouble, that's, that's the time when they always reach out to God, mm -hmm. even though they're completely denying them in every other way of their life, but as soon as they get into a bind, you know, it's all about, you know, all about the praying. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't know. It's hard to say what, what's really real about that. You know? That's a good point. Know. That's a really good but point. But we see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, the evidence is too overwhelming. Yeah. I think God can definitely give us those suddenlies, <clears throat> too. And you just, you wonder how many, like, people that were Christian that probably would not have said anything, but just because this thing just broke out, everybody was suddenly able to just, like, pour in. That's cool. And it could be also, too, like Sacha was saying, you know, you live for the devil all week, but when you need the Lord, then you reach out, <laughs> you know, to him. Um, not us, but yeah. people do that. Mm. But still, the demonstration did mean something, I think. Mm -hmm. I think the whole thing was very prophetic. Yeah. For sure. I have to look that up and find it. What was the guy's name? That I can't remember his name. It was the New Year's Eve or the New Year's Day game, wasn't it? Oh, wow. It's like DeMonte. I can't remember his name. And all of a sudden, I can't remember him. Yeah, yeah. I was following it. But he was in a coma. I mean, you know, they really didn't expect him to even come back as a normal person because mm -hmm. he had he had gone he had actually died several times on the field. They kept resuscitating him. Then they took him to the hospital. He was in a coma. Mm -hmm. They just said when he wakes up, he wanted he'll be he won't even be the same young man. But now he has woken up. He's spoken. He's reached out to his team. Wow. So he's exhibiting. I don't know how extensive the damage has been because he has shown signs of cognitive ability. But have y'all heard anything further since yesterday? I mean, I, that was the last I thing know. I heard <coughs> yesterday. <coughs> anyway, that not to yeah um, side rail your your teaching. No, totally fine. Um, let's see. So Hebrews chapter ten. Verses 35 through 39 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he, shall that, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That's good. Um, I started thinking about like how different things are in the public education system. And I know people used to be able to read the Bible at school. They used to do prayer things at school. And I just like systematically, there have been so many changes that have happened as our culture has has shifted. And of course, God has the final say. And I, we are still a Christian nation, and there are there's clearly still a remnant here. But um, 
in the private and secular universities in recent history, there's been a heavy leaning in intellectualism and evolutionism, like talk to our kiddos. And um, I guess it just feels really big because I, while I'm on social media, I hear all of these things that are being spouted. I'm just like, wow, there are young people that don't know anything about biblical truth. They have not heard, they have not seen a, a real example of a Christian. Um, so we, we definitely have a work as saints to do. Um, Romans chapter two, verses two through 11 says, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man that judgest them which do such things and does the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Or despiseth thou the riches, the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasureth up for thyself the wrath against the day and the wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are conscientious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon them that does evil. Okay, so I wanted to draw a couple of parallels that I saw during the pandemic. So during the pandemic, there was a shift from external productivity of a person, how much you could get, get done at work, to those internal and spiritual. So for the first time ever, I noticed that there was a lot of um, psychology partnering with spiritual practices to advise people about how to cope. And that was really an interesting shift to see because spirituality and psychology, I remember, I remember when I took classes in psychology, they tried to keep everything as distinctly separate as possible. And so, Eastern philosophies, which have been permeating the art, fashion, interior design worlds for the last few decades, I think absolutely exploded into American consciousness during the, the pandemic as people were looking for spiritual answers, but not, not necessarily wanting to turn to the Lord or go to the church or um, believe in Christian teachings. And so, um, there's just like all these different things that you're noticing in the culture that, that weren't there before and they're much louder than before. Um, even in cartoons, in media, in design. I mean, it's just everywhere. So it's like people talking about chakras and meditation and astrology and horoscope. And there's all these buzzwords that you'll see permeating the culture. Now, Colossians 2.8 tells us, to see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, but rather than according to Christ. And Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 12 says, When you come to the land that the Lord your God has given you, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations, there shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, because these abominations the Lord your God does drive them out before thee. Um, so I have a premium membership to a movie theater that's really close to my job. And um, for only $21 a month, I get to watch like any movie, anytime, and it's really awesome. So I found myself at the theater, and of course it's just me, and I go in with the Lord, I'm like, you're gonna go in here and watch this movie with me? And, and I do, and it's been really cool because the Lord has been pointing things out to me as I'm watching um, like all these big box office hits. And I started to notice that there are a lot of um, familiar themes emerging, like even in um, movies that are not overtly spiritual in their, in their overtones or undertones, there are like deeply spiritual principles that everybody is kind of pointing towards, gearing towards. 
Um, there's debauchery, crazy lasciviousness, um, hedonism, um, all these things that the Bible talks about, it will be like in the days of Noah. Like it's being depicted on the big screen, even in movies that are not necessarily um, supposed to be that way. And um, I've also seen like a resurgence of Egyptian art, mythology, and folklore. It's making a strong comeback, I think, due to its strong demonic roots and ties. And these are just the things that are happening in the culture. Um, but Romans 12, 2 says to us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. Anybody have any comments? No? Okay. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but I'm just noticing <laughs> these things. <laughs> yes. Well, sorry. I think something that really comes to mind right now is in, in what we really battle in our society and where we are now is is a lot to, has a lot to do with the internet and the fact that because I was trying to live stream on my way in today and I was having some trouble, but I thought. Um, the thing is, is that people can go anywhere and hear anything. And I know the scriptures talk about itching ears and, and people being pulled in different directions. Because if you, you can go anywhere and hear anything, and if you don't like it, you can always find something else. Mm -hmm. And then it can become your passion or your, your um, drive. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of, there are maybe people that themselves Christians but they're not engaged in really maybe even a church but they're out there listening to all kinds of things and they're creating their own Christianity mm -hmm. so it, and it's not always anything to do with the Bible it's that they're hearing the things that are pleasing to them or teaching them how to do good works or how to you know kindness you know all those words that you hear that make them a good person and then therefore makes them a Christian because they believe in God. Mm -hmm. They believe there's a God. So I think as, you know, as where we stand as far as what we believe is, is I think the challenge is being able to speak to people about the word of God when they have no foundation of the word of God. Oh, when they also think they're already doing it. Mm -hmm. So you tell them something different, and yes. that's not what they have ascribed to, because they they don't want to be challenged by what they're doing that doesn't line up with the word. Like you said, they they're just they're looking for something that allows them to be who they are, and then and then their righteousness is based upon their being a good person, and that's why they should go to heaven. It's because they're a good person. If that's what they're basing the whole thing on, they're not basing it on no sin or in the blood of Jesus, you know, relying upon that. But you're right, and I do think that that is the huge fallacy that is permeating people who think that they are Christians, but they're actually doing what you said. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a good point. I was, I was gonna say, and just to kind of piggyback on what, what you read, and that is, I was left a lot of books by my dad when he passed away, and like a thousand. And I got rid of half of them, but mom and I have been reading them. I've got about 500 books. And I know that sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I'm telling you, this is not, I mean, I came in with a, you know, we had a pallet that we had to use to bring all the books into um, the bookstore that we were given the books to that we didn't keep. But anyway, well, the thing that I've noticed is that none of the characters in the books are believers. I mean, we're just talking about spy books, you know, just, you know, like, you know, someone trying to take over, or just, you know, whatever it is, it's just, it's, it's not about the Lord, it's not, it's not a Christian book, it's just about someone who is a spy, or it's about, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. but they go into detail about that person's beliefs, and none of the characters in the books are ever believers, ever, every single character says they don't believe in 
a god or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just thought, and I'm just really kind of astounded. I mean, I haven't really been reading a lot of fiction over the last 20 years. And so just starting <coughs> to read these, it's just kind of astounded me. Like you said, it's not the main thing, but it, you know, that's the, that's the portrayal that the writer is giving to the reader, that this main character who's a big bad A, you know, he's super cool, he can do all this stuff, but he doesn't believe in God, but he's still very, you know what I'm saying, he's still a super cool guy and all this stuff, you know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. So that's the underlying, that's the, that's the subliminal type of, and these are not new books. These are books that my dad has had, so they're from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Mm-hmm. So that's not a new thing. Like you said, the last 50 years has been an onslaught against being a Christian. Yeah. I've kind of seen, um, there is like a pseudo-Christianity. I was reading something the other day, and it was talking about, like, when a people adopts like a pseudo-Christianity, it is like, Christian junk food, you know, it's not the deep things, it's not the things that are the meat that are capable of actually making change, it's like the loose, happy-go-lucky principles that people can say are, are Christian values, um, and it's put through a lens that doesn't require any real effort or real sacrifice, and it's interpreted through the lens of the culture, which is not what the Bible is. The Bible is its own authoritative thing, and that is missing. Um, Another thing that you said, I was thinking about, I lost my train of thought. What was the second part? Mm. Maybe it'll come back to me. about what I said or what Debbie said. Mm-hmm. I talked it was the second part. You, you made two points, and I wanted to say something about the second thing you said, but I I didn't jot it down. should have jot, jotted it on the paper here. Okay. About the thread? About the underlying the spiritual yeah. impact? I can't remember what, I don't know what my second point was. That's okay. I know I had more than one point out. They <laughs> were all good points. <laughs> I, mean, I thought you had three or four. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the books. That's what it was. So I was, I've been watching all these movies and um, re-watching shows that I watched when I was a kid. And what I realized is there's a lot of representation for, like, magic, right? And so if somebody's going to defeat somebody with magic, they don't do it with the word of God and with the sword of the spirit or, you know, with the... with anything anything concerning how we do spiritual warfare (laughs) but what's often presented is um, another form of white magic to defeat magic but there are literally zero representations of like what a saint is of what a son is of what somebody really under authority I mean if you want to maybe watch like war movies or something that's about as close as you get to it but there was this um there's this guy that taught at our school briefly when I was at Christ for the Nations, and he had this theory about um, the gates of hell, because, you know, Jesus said, you know, the gates of hell will not stand against my church, basically. And so he talked about how um, there are different places in culture where the enemy will try to set up, you know, a gate of hell. And one of them is at the top of the mountain of the arts and the entertainment industry, everything that floods into a culture through those gates, through those doors. Um, What's beautiful, though, is that we're sons, and the Lord can open doors of opportunity for us, and we can climb those ladders as he ordains, and then we are in control of what floods into the culture. The Lord is in control of what floods into the culture. But that's just something that I've noticed is there's no representation of, of a saint, of a son, of um, any kind of way to defeat spiritual wickedness which is openly being depicted except by more spiritual wickedness say again i think the ten commandments was probably the last movie that ever depicted someone who was who was acting on behalf of the authority of god Mm -hmm. and people still watch that though on tv i think that that's that's pretty amazing that movie has stood the test of time 
Yeah. But you're right. What they really depict in TV or well, movies is good against evil, but it's both magic. That's so there's it. good magic and there's bad magic. There mm -hmm. are good witches, there are bad witches. But it's all the same. And it's all the right. same. But that is, and that's been since I was a kid. It's always been, that's always been the message. Well, that mm -hmm. Harry Potter, they're pushing all that. I've seen more people now that proclaim to be witches and stuff or it's becoming more common. and stuff than ever seen. Yeah. And, oh, we're good witches. Yeah. But this is, this is how it is now. But, I mean... This is God's country, you know, like, and we're God's people. And um, obviously, <coughs> there's still time, and the Lord is still doing things. But um, I think it's super helpful to be aware of the enemy's devices, to know that um, the spiritual landscape that our kids are in is really, really hostile. And you almost have to make sure they have some apologetics under their belt before they even go to school, <laughs> you know. And so... Um, we're up for the task, and the Lord is here, and the Lord will empower our young people. All is not lost, but I just, I just um, thought that it was important to mention these things because it's so vastly different than it used to be. And if you are not in social media, if you're not in those circles, if you're not around a lot of young people, you just you're in your your age group, right. and you don't that's see true. it, and you you don't get the exposure. So. And we, we have to speak up, too, because social media and the cancel culture are trying to quiet the Christians and anybody they don't mm -hmm. agree with. And it's time for us to start fighting back and be vocal. And that's hard. That's hard because when you respond, especially on social media, you don't want to respond in a way that's like your soul or like your emotion or anger. You want to just, we have to not get inflamed and make sure that everything we say in those moments, it's just God's words, you know, it's super purposeful, because that's the only thing that's going to be able to break any of that, that's the only thing that's going to be able to um, make a difference to anybody reading it. Yeah. I don't know that we, we're going to, I mean, only, like you said, only God can really impact what's happening, and I don't know how or what his visitation is going to look like in this hour, but... I mean, we can't deny what the plan of God says about the end times. I mean, we're not going to change that. Yeah. And the end times are going to look like what they're going to look like. And I think that that's the definition of what you've been describing is what we've stepped into are people who are just engaged in the things that you've been describing. And, yes, it is God's world, and he is in control, but his plan will be fulfilled. And the end times have to come. That's it. I mean, there's just not going to be avoiding, there's going to be no avoiding that. And the fact that we have been chosen to represent him as sons in this hour, that's, that's the thing that we have to focus on and what our assignment is regarding what he wants us to do. I don't disagree necessarily with what Rick said, but at the same time, I have to kind of side with you to say what I say has to be directed by God because for me to just rant over what I believe based on versus what they believe. You haven't really made any headway spiritually. That's the argument is not the point. Yeah. It's not to win the argument. And Rick, by the way, you know very well you'll never win an argument with a woke person. Because oh, no. they're just absolutely blinded. Yeah. There is no penetrating what but, that spiritual blindness is. But we can't let them walk over us and push us. We have to we have to stand up. And, and give our beliefs. And, well, and you, make have to know, you have to know what you believe and be able to state it. The Bible yeah. says that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not saying, that's what I'm saying. I'm not disagreeing with what you said. But, I mean, in times, it's it's a spiritual battle. It's not really, like you said, the flesh and blood, you know, fighting over the truth in that respect. <coughs> I mean, all we can do is represent what God has given us to represent. That's it. And, and, because what they're trying to do is silence us. They win by silencing us. We can't be silent. And uh, I mean, you see, you see it in politics. You see it in everything. If if they can silence us, then they win. We've got to let God out there and show them what we believe, and and then keep it in prayer. I also think um, each of us has like a, a sphere of influence. You know, we have the place. Where, where the Lord has called us to go. We have the people that we come into contact with. 
Um, there's this quote that I really like by Francis of Assisi. I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but it says, preach the gospel at all times, but only when necessary, use words. So our life will preach, you know, our, just us being who we are. Um, especially another thing is like on the level of like personal accountability and personal responsibility. When the Lord asks us to do something or the Lord asks us to surrender something or the Lord tells us you go tell this person this, I think far more battles will be won and far more seeds will be sown by our obedience in those moments. And sometimes we, we're just rolling through the store, you know, <laughs> and we don't know um, that, you know, the words that we speak to someone because we are a son, because we are a saint, because we are listening to his voice, a timely word could literally be that freedom for somebody. So I think just on a personal note, like being um, open to hearing his leading, I think that also, that does a lot. I would just kind of add to what everybody else has said is, you know, there's, there, there is a time to speak and then there is a time to uh, uh, not speak. I mean, that's Ecclesiastes. So being able to know that timing and when to release and when to just keep the mouth closed and move on, I think that's key for all of us. And that, that's part of, you know, learning to be um, led by his spirit. I mean, you look at the life of Jesus. He did that all the time. There were times where he would he would directly speak to his opposers, but mm -hmm. then there's times he just kind of you know rolled on the ground here, and, just walked um, away. Right, and he just he responded in different ways in different situations. So that's that's key for us too to know. Okay, should I speak or should I just continue to intercede here, or what, should I draw on the ground here? You know, should I take some spittle here and apply it to somebody's eye and that they healed, so there's a lot of different little nuances that are um, can only be learned as we continue to grow and develop as saints. Mm -hmm. And uh, two, you know, to speak to, I think that God is going to move in ways that no man can get any credit, like He did with uh, Saul mm -hmm. before he became Paul. I mean, there was no person around when the heavens opened and that visitation came. And so that's a lot of, I think what he's going to do is as we continue to pray in his spirit and let and, 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 and watch his plan unfold, these types of things are going to become more prominent and widespread where he's just going to invade people's lives. And, you know, I know, I know Paul was identified to... Uh, to be the apostle and carry the message and things like that. So there, God's going to sovereignly do those types of things in, 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 in more widespread ways where his people, you know, if, if I recall, that happened with me, with my my encounter many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in a church. There wasn't any preacher around. I was in my home and heaven opened and his spirit flooded in and that's the thing that revolutionized who I was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was nobody around. <laughs> And that one encounter forever changed who I was. That's good. Um, and so I, I believe that that's going to be a pattern uh, and a trend that he's going to do over you know, repeatedly. Amen. I believe I that too. <clears throat> I don't think there had never been a generation like there were in the 50s. Because our, our lifestyle was so smooth and so nonviolent. There were not any cuss words going on. There wasn't anybody drinking. It was like being in here. Mm. That's this is the first group of people that I've been around since the fifties that I can say that about. Mm. It's a totally different lifestyle. That's saying a lot about the saints. <laughs> Real deal here. Yeah. <laughs> I drink to that. I think it's so funny. I I sometimes do decorations in the church and we have those signs in the restrooms that all say no smoking. <laughs> I'm like, why is this here? <laughs> Nobody smokes here. <laughs> so funny. So Psalms 
1, uh, 1 through 6 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Um, and now I'm going to conclude with Galatians chapter 5, verses 20 through, 22 through 26. You guys know this verse. The kids know this verse. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay, so um, I want to actually conclude with the paraphrased um, verse from the beginning where we talked about perfect peace and we paraphrased it. So just going to declare this over us. May the Lord keep us completed, full, restored, whole, at peace, and at peace because we keep our minds fixed on him. May we expend the necessary spiritual and natural efforts um, required to mold our minds with his framework, and may we coat our minds, our imaginations, who we are, with his ways within and without. May we lean hard with all of our weight and stay established in him. Because we trust him, we have confidence in him, we have security in him, and we trust him so much that we do not have a care in the world because we are confident and we boast in his security. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> week it's friend teaching. Thank you, Marty. Thank you. <laughs> 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 those scriptures are like That's the funniest thing about I've heard today. <laughs> so serious. And next yes. week will be Mark Burke. Thank you.